This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This Podcast. Check this podcast, episode 53, and today I'm going to lead off with <clears throat> talking about the uh, climate control bill or uh, the the Green New Deal or whatever the hell they're calling it now, the, the Democrats plan to eliminate carbon emissions from the power sector by 2035. And if you have no idea about how anything in this world works, then you might think that that sounds like a great idea, except that the only way that works is to basically do away with all power entirely and return to the 1700s. And honestly, if we're being serious or, uh, you know, looking at it seriously, that's what the Democrats are trying to do anyway, because they're already pushing to bring back segregation. Uh, that's, that's legit. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's the goal. Maybe they are trying to take us back to the 1700s, in which case all of us who actually like liberty and freedom and a small government and, you know, doing shit for ourselves and not having to give 20 to 30% of our income to, um, our benevolent overlords in Washington. Maybe returning to the 1700s ain't such a bad idea, you know? But we're going to look at this very, very briefly uh, because the provision has what has been called a decelerator tucked into it. So this massive uh, climate change or climate legislation that's going to uh, attack the power section, the power sector, uh, the energy sector. Within the legislation, there are allowances built in so that these big energy companies, in the event that it either looks like it's not going to be feasible or it's going to be too expensive for the companies to do this stuff, then there's this decelerator built in that'll give them uh, <laughs> that'll give them allowances so that they don't have to actually do it. So I'm not reading through this entire article that explains the the decelerator, <laughs> but but basically what it boils down to is, and now and you have to you have to bear in mind that originally the plan was by 2050. So they make these plans for having all this stuff done. There are very, very, very few politicians in Washington, D.C. right now who will still be alive in 2050. Uh, unless, you know, unless lizard people actually live forever and they are drinking the blood of children and, you know, they they found that uh, key to immortality. None of those bastards are going to be around in 2050. So they have absolutely no uh, no accountability for this whatsoever. Well, so so they moved it. They moved the timetable from 2050 to 2035. But then 
in moving the timetable, they built in all these allowances and everything. And basically what this what this uh, decelerator works towards is it's a get out of jail free card for the entire energy sector. It, it basically says we know that you can't do this. So we're going to put forth all this legislation that caters to our base and makes the people that we want to keep on our side and keep voting for us. It makes them happy. It makes them think that we're legitimately doing things to, to move things along and to make changes. But in reality, you don't have to do any of this stuff. You can come up with a whole myriad of excuses for why this isn't feasible right now, or it costs too much, or it's not going to work or blah, 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 blah. And just not do it because don't forget those big wigs in the energy sector, they are lining the pockets of these politicians every day. There's a reason why they talk and talk and talk and then don't ever actually do anything. Don't ever actually set any realistic expectations or goals. Don't ever put forth any sort of legislation that makes legitimate change because they don't want to. They can go out and posture and make a big scene of it and show a good front and show a good face for the public that yes, we're we care about this. We hear you. We know that this is what their base wants. And so they can keep placating to the base and making the base feel like, yes, we're gonna get the Green New Deal done, but at the end of the day, it's not gonna do a fucking thing because they've built in all the loopholes for how you can get out of it. And it's the same thing with the taxes. And the the higher taxes, the wealth tax, and uh, you know, making the rich pay their fair share, and and all of this stuff, and and it, and it sounds good. It's it makes for good talking points. It makes the the people that support them feel good about themselves because they elected the people who are gonna who are gonna go after the rich and they're gonna tax the rich and we're gonna eat the rich and force them to pay their fair share and level the playing field and blah, fucking blah, blah, blah. And it's never going to happen. And the reason it's never going to happen is because the tax code is built so that it doesn't. The rich do not pay taxes, period. They pay what minimal they're required to, and they probably pay more to an army of lawyers and CPAs to go through every page of tax code and make sure that they pay the minimal amount possible. And at the end of the day, every time they raise taxes on the rich or put in a wealth tax or whatever, the people who make that much money find ways to not pay it. Or in the cases that they do pay it, these are the major business owners. These are the people who run the world. And what they end up doing is they pass that off to us, to the consumers, to the customers. We end up, we end up paying for it through a raise, a rise in cost for goods and services and everything else. The cost of gas will go up. The cost of food will go up. Everything will go up. The more they're taxed, the more we are taxed. And I, I can't, 
I cannot for the life of me understand how people are so fucking stupid that they don't that they don't get how this how this cycle works. And the the incredibly insane thing about it is private charity accomplishes so much more than the government does in terms of taking care of poor people and and all of these things. In fact, the biggest hindrance to private charity being able to take care of poor people are outrageous, insane government restrictions on them being able to do so. It's the government that is stopping people from taking care of other people. The government does not take care of people. If you believe in social programs and you believe in helping the poor and all of these things, then you should be adamantly anti-government in every fucking way imaginable. But one of the big problems that I have is people don't understand numbers. I think I talked about it last week. You could seize the entire fortune of every billionaire in this country and not run the country for more than a couple weeks. The problem is not that rich people have more money. The problem is that the government is spending all of your money and then all of the money that they don't have and printing more to make up for it, which is then inflating money, which is then reducing your purchasing power and making you poorer. Government programs and taxation and this Green New Deal, none of this shit actually does anything to punish rich people for being rich. It doesn't actually do anything to balance the equity scale. It doesn't do anything to help poor people. Anything at all, it increases the wage gap. It makes poor people poorer because it affects the bottom line for them. It hurts their purchasing power. With the few dollars they have, they now cannot buy as much. And it's all because of these government programs. If you claim to be a humanitarian, if you claim to care about other people, if you claim anything about the to care about the environment, anything at all, You should be adamantly anti-government in every fucking way imaginable. And if you don't understand that yet, like if you can't see that since they started the war on poverty and the war on terror and the war on drugs and the war on every fucking thing else that they go to war against, because I mean, that's all we do. We are a warmongering culture and that's all we do. But every war that has been started to fix these social issues. Poverty is currently worse than it ever had had been like in uh, in the entire 18 and 1900s, I think. Like at the moment that the war on uh, the war on poverty began, we have only gone backwards thanks to government programs, thanks to tax and spend policies and inflationary uh, spending that the government has gone into just printing money. Uh, shit, we've created, they've created more money in the last year and a half than had been in like the previous 25 or something. Uh, the war on drugs has only made the problem worse. The war on terror 
nothing's changed. Nothing's changed since it started in 2001. Nothing has changed whatsoever or whenever the hell they started. I mean, if you watch any of the stuff from Scott Horton on from enough already and all of the videos, like it started in fucking Carter era. I mean, and it's not, and it, it's not accomplished anything. And the government is not in the business of solving problems. They're in the business of creating more problems so that they can continue to claim that, oh, we just need more money and then we can solve these problems. And in other news coming as a surprise to absolutely no one who has half a lick of common fucking sense. A study declares that AOC is one of the least effective members of Congress. So what this uh, it so it separates the Democrats and the Republicans, and it only ranks them with their individual groups in this article, which which I really don't like. Uh, like if you're going to rank them in total, I want to see how they fare stacked up against each other, not just stacked up against themselves you know like uh, it, it feels like it that would make more sense would be to like i don't want to know that aoc was ranked 230th out of 240 democrats i want to know that aoc was ranked like 460th out of 479 total like you know give me the actual number but whatever it's fine i don't i'm not gonna nitpick or get into you know too much of the semantics of it but so like I said, AOC was ranked 230th out of the 240 Democrats. Uh, so she puts forward, like she had, she had only put forward, I can't remember what it was, like 19 or uh, not a whole lot of legislation uh, had been sponsored by or put forward by AOC during her uh, during her first term here, but. Of everything that she did put forward, none of it actually got to, none of it even got to a reading, much less to a vote. So, so everything that, so she didn't put forward a whole lot of legislation to begin with. And what she did put forward didn't, didn't even register for anything. It didn't accomplish anything. So she's a lot of talk and without a lot of, of action. And then, uh, Ilhan Omar, Ilhan Omar uh, was not much better than her, ranked uh, 214th. Uh, she had sponsored 33 bills, none of which, uh, none of which, even made it to a vote either. Uh, let's see, and it, so it, it makes a it makes an important clarification in the article that that I think should be touched on at least a little bit. What it considers uh, legislation is something that's substantive, uh, that has, uh, you know, actual meat to it. So this doesn't take into account things that they may have put forward that weren't even considered important enough to be to, to be given the consideration of a reading. So nothing that either of these two put forward, Ilhan Omar or AOC, nothing that they put forward even got read, much less voted on, much less actually becoming law. What did they what else did they put forward that wasn't even considered substantive 
enough to to give it the consideration of thinking about reading it. Like that, that's the numbers I want to know. So of the squad, the only one who actually had any uh, like legitimate uh, success was uh, Rashida Tlaib, and uh, she ranked ninety uh, second. I think she even had. Uh, I think she even had three, three bills that were that were able to get passed. So you know, she may have she may have actually accomplished something. But the the others are uh, Ilhan Omar and and uh, AOC. Like they're just all bluster. And and as you read through the article and you start to look at the, at, at the details of it and what it talks about, like that's what you really get a feel for. Um, aside from like Marco Rubio with the Republicans, none of the big names on either side in either the House or the Senate are particularly effective. They are they are the big name, the blowhard, loud mouths that you know they're put out front and center to to get all the attention. But they're not actually the ones who are who are making legislation that gets passed. Most of the people who uh, who are actually successful as Congress people are like smaller names that uh, from smaller districts that you don't necessarily know who they are. That they're the ones who are getting stuff done. So, which that gets to to something that. I know it's been talked about before, but I don't know if I've talked about it before. Like the whole thing is theater. It's all a big giant show. They, there are people behind the scenes who are actually pulling the strings and there are the names and faces that get pushed out front to be the, the ones that are, uh, you know, the show ponies, so to speak. And then, and then even the, even the people in, you know, in Congress who are, who are doing this stuff, you know, the ones who are, getting it passed, getting, getting good legislation through. They're not, they're not sitting down and writing all that stuff. They've got a whole team of legal experts and lobbyists and everything else that are actually putting together the, the wording of it and what's going into it. And that's why you end up with these six and 800 page bills, three and three to 5,000 page bills. They, they, they don't actually write it. I, I take that back. Um, I think Rand, Paul, and Thomas Massey, uh, there are a handful of others that like actually do take active uh, part in writing their own legislation. But like for the most part, especially for the, the big names um, that really, really get pushed out there, they don't write any legislation. And the stuff that they sponsor, they didn't have anything to do with actually uh, putting it together. Like it's all done by teams of people within the RNC or the DNC lobbyist groups and special interests. And and the whole thing is just a giant fucking clown show. And people think that these faces that show up on your TV are actually the ones making decisions about anything. It is a power structure is a monolith it is the cathedral and the system is what is making the decisions 
not these dumbasses on TV. We need to divorce ourselves from this system. It is failing us as a people. I mean, the loopholes and the bullshit for the Green New Deal, which I don't support the Green New Deal in any way. It's a, it's a fucking moronic idea anyway. People, people and energy companies have a vested interest in doing the right thing for the environment and their customers. Like they don't need the government to force it on them. In fact, when the government forces on it on them, they're less likely to do it because it increases cost because none of the government legislation on stuff actually is based in science or reality or, you know, the actual mechanics of how that stuff works. It's all based on dumbasses like ALC and Ilhan Omar who are just talking heads that put out the, the things that they want, uh, that they think that their constituents want, but that aren't based in, in logic or, or reason. So, what you end up with is a, a much worse system. Whereas if allowed to innovate and create and discover, these companies could fix these problems on their own without being forced to. And they could do it more cost effectively than what they'll do it when being forced by the government. Government does not solve problems. Government creates problems, period. And we have got to get away from this system. I think some of the things that they're doing are going to uh, expediate that process. And God, I can't wait to see it happen. And I hope you can't wait to see it happen either. Hope everybody has a great day. I'll be back on Wednesday to talk about the vaccine passports and all of that fun stuff. I know I'm about a week late, but I wanted to let it kind of shake out. So it's shaking a bit and we got some fun stories out of it. I've spent a lot of time going through Twitter telling people, fuck you. <laughs> I love Twitter. It's great. <laughs> Come find me uh, at jcamp1521 on Twitter, and you can join me in telling all the COVIDians to go fuck themselves. And in the meantime, hope you have a good one, and I'll talk to you later. <laughs>